Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm here at the Basketball Queensland head office in Chandler in Brisbane. And my guest today is uh, the birthday birthday boy himself, Michael Lake. Uh, g'day, mate. Howdy. <laughs> Lakey to his mates. So uh, Michael's here at uh, Basketball Queensland. He's just started a new role, and I thought I might get you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the, the current role, the newest one, um, is called Coach Development Manager. So I sort of progress from working in support with the Own Your Goal app which we've developed um, in a very short stint helped out with the referee administration side of things and yeah now full time taking over from Peter Pollock as he's moved on to um, new challenges so basically the, the primary um, primary part of the role is to oversee the coach accreditations across the state uh, facilitate with our associations running of club courses planning the association courses which we currently hold twice a year and uh, managing all the admin that goes alongside that as well is, is the key. Um, I also currently overlook and help facilitate the Aussie Hoop programs and sporting schools and more just pointing people in the right direction with those and supporting that than, than hands-on um, with that itself. But yeah, plenty to do. Yeah, it sounds like a busy role and big shoes to fill with uh, <laughs> filling in for yeah, Polly. Yeah, absolutely. I've known Polly. He coached me when I was under 18. So we go way back and uh, not many people have done what he's done in the game across playing, coaching, starting associations, the admin side of it. So I've got a lot of time and respect for him and um, been very conscious of not trying to come in and, and pretend like I know more about the, the basketball and the coaching development world than he has. So just finding my feet, um, always reviewing what, what's working well from an admin point of view, what we can do better. But yeah, definitely big shoes to fill, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, so... Lakey, just for the listeners who aren't in Queensland, how big is basketball in Queensland? Like how many associations and how many players? Yeah, it's a good question and um, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew all the exact figures before you asked me um, today, a little bit of preparation. But um, we, have, we actually have 34 member associations um, and across that there's 35,000 registered members, uh, give or take. That's fully registered members. So yep. there's a couple of different ways of reporting, um, incorporating um, any players who play in organized competitions within schools things like that the figures are actually reported to be close to 190,000 but in terms of basketball Queensland fully paid members it sits about 35,000 all right that's still plenty of people playing the game which is awesome so in terms of your role obviously a lot of it's to do with um, coaching and coaching development so what are the uh, coaching pathways that people can get involved with yeah it's a good question Um, I mean the opportunities are endless and we're finding that more and more um Coaching has evolved so much, so opportunities start from the grassroots levels. A lot of people we find, um, you know, as has always been the case, coming along and get their first tapes in coaching because their kids are playing the game and they stand on the sidelines and they want to try and help out, which is which is awesome because we definitely need people at that level as well. But, you know, there's opportunities now to be involved with state programs, state teams. Um, you look, it's becoming more and more niche, so um, analytics roles, video assistant type roles, there's becoming opportunities 
right across the board that sort of all fit under the the umbrella of coaching Um, and I guess our job is to keep adapting with those new roles and finding ways to help coaches develop Um, and I guess more specifically within Queensland there's also the five official coaching accreditations um, which Previously, have been called sort of level zero to level four. Yeah. Uh, we now use the language of community coach certificate, um, club coach accreditation, association coach accreditation, performance coach accreditation, and master coach. Um, so again, sort of starting to review that process and, and make sure those are supported and probably primarily most that those are known about because yeah. not necessarily as well publicised as it probably could be. So. so does a coach who's to say coaching just you know junior club stuff at an association do they have to be signed off every couple of years or something or yeah so it's something that's sort of always been in the rules but never really been closely um, monitored I guess and and administrated so something that we are trying to put a focus back on and we we do basically want to try and put some minimum standards in place for coaches based on where they're coaching Um, in club land it's a bit harder because it's really at the discretion of the clubs and associations but we offer guidance and support Um, so Certainly within our association and rep coaches, we're set, starting to set some some minimum standards. So primarily for under 12 um, and under 14, it's to be at least club coach accredited yep. for a head coach. Uh, moving into 16s, 18s, 21s, um, especially for divisions one and two, to be a head coach, we're asking for association accreditation. So right. we're starting to put those, uh, I guess, uh, put those benchmarks in place, but we're also aware that we're not expecting this to happen overnight so yeah. it's a soft approach we're trying to let people know what our expectations are what our hope is yeah. and then probably from 2021 we'll start to be a bit more black and white in that so. yeah so I mean at associations there are probably a few people who've got a bit of experience in basketball and been coaching for a while so if they're a coach and uh, are keen to help out other coaches like how do they become accredited to run very good question programs? that's, uh, that's good almost the perfect question for me to answer it's almost like I fed you that one but uh, for our listeners I can assure you I haven't um, so you're spot on too like, it'd be naive of us to think that um, you know even for Polly or and now me are the only people who can who can run accreditation courses without throughout Queensland so um, we're actually working with associations as we speak on, on empowering their coaches and um, identified individuals yeah. who are affiliated by either the association or clubs as well to be able to um, uh, offer the courses for their their coaches so they're not relying on us to have to offer them at all times and they can take some self-accountability in that space Um, again there's some quality control around that we need to make sure the right people are in these positions so there's some criteria around that they need to themselves be an association level accredited coach Um, and also we have an online module that we get them to do before they can um, actually I guess get that tick as well so um, along with that they then need to be uh, endorsed by an association or a club so Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's about giving them opportunities to be able to present for them, mm. um, and also looking at ways at how we make that more accessible. So currently, the the club coach course, which is our most common, is a five hour. Uh, we call it a full day commitment. Yep. Um, we're actually looking at uh, again on the back of what Peter did 
Um, if I ever refer to him as Polly, that'll be Peter Pollock for the listeners. Um, but uh, Polly spent a lot of time working on how do we make this more accessible, more real world. And yeah. uh, what we now have is called the five-star module approach. So uh, smaller chunks, um, breaking that up into two-hour clinics, breaking that up so that they have a coach come and attend a game, attend a session, a bit more hands-on in terms of development. So okay. always looking at ways to make it a bit more um, hands-on for the coach development. But again, empowering associations to be able to offer that themselves. Yeah, cool. So um, what does the, the Basketball Queensland curriculum cover in terms of like style of play and offense and defense? Very good question. Again, so uh, currently the the club coach course um, really touches on breaking down individual skill development. Yep. Um, very important part of the game. Um, as much as offenses, um, sets, all these sort of things change and, and are cyclical, the basic skills of a game are, are pretty much the same from um, what they were 40 years ago. You know, you need to be able to handle the ball, you need to be able to pass, you need to be able to shoot. So individual skill development offensively and defensively is, is probably the first half of the on-court component. Um, and then the second we do then start to look a bit more into what are the team concepts. Yeah. Um, read and react offense concepts as opposed to these are offenses you must run. Um, defensive principles we use within our style of play um, what we call battle defense, which is very similar to pack defense with some uh, with some tweaks. Um, so again, we sort of offer those insights to coaches and, and just sort of get them thinking about different concepts to teach. Yeah. How do you keep everyone on the same page with terminology? Because I just heard you say battle defense, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, interesting. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I can't take credit for that one. That's, um, uh, well, I, I think it's his anyway. I'll give him credit. But Warwick Can came up with battle defense. So um, uh, to be honest, we... Within our state programs, it's easy. Um, Our coaches come in, they all will generally come through the system. So they'll observe state coaches before them. They'll observe Luke Cairn, who's now the state performance manager, Mel Downer, um, Brady Wormsley, who have done that role prior. So again, these are languages that have now come through, um, been passed down from uh, years previous. Um, But what's really helping us now in terms of association land, club land for coach and players is we've developed the style of play booklet oh, okay. so we, we have that it's a document we've put together and, and again Warwick's put a lot of time into uh, which includes our style of play it talks about what we're trying to achieve offensively and defensively uh, at different times throughout the shot clock and different points of an offense yep. uh, or defensive possession um, and of course primarily it uses our language yeah. so that coaches can start to understand well this is what they're calling at the state level we're not going to force them to use that language, but yes. we're also saying, hey, look, if your athlete wants to have a chance of making a state team, they're better prepared if they know and understand the language that we're using. So we're trying to actually get that collateral out there and make that available to coaches yeah. and players alike. Cool. So having said that, Queensland is a big state, Correct. very big on the map. How do you get info out and sort of how do you get coverage of all that sort of content out across the state? Uh, I'll give you the honest answer is it's always a work in progress. <laughs> um you know, like you said, there's there's some challenges that our 
geography creates for us and it's it's a, it generates a twofold approach um, we try and get feet on the ground as much as possible um, uh, Josh Pascoe who's come on board as our COO is, is pretty passionate in that space to try and service the, the north and the central associations as much as possible um, which isn't always necessarily as much as, as they might want us to but um, you know all things considered we're trying to put Luke Can in, in the north when we can um, he was just up in Cairns this weekend for the under 18 north trials and on the back of that did a coach's clinic Okay. so we're trying to make use of time um, as much as possible I'll go up at some point yet to be confirmed during the central Queensland tournament and offer a coaching clinic yep. um, probably in, in Rockhampton in December uh, Josh wants to go up and run association um just the admin type uh, seminars. So trying to get people in those places, but again, we can't do that often enough to purely service those associations that way. So it also comes down to generating a good uh, network in terms of communication channels. I've got to build relationships with associations via the phone, via telephone, um, identify who the key contacts are within associations based on the information that needs to go out. And luckily enough, probably week one in this role for me was our state uh, coach directors conference so I got to sort of meet a lot of those key people um, in person and and that obviously helps facilitate those relationships now where I can just pick up the phone and say hey PC in Townsville this is what we're doing you know this is what we'd recommend up there let me flick you through the the collateral the details same same goes for you know Kerry in Cairns Lucas in Mackay all of the sort of key players up in the north so yeah two twofold approach we try and get on the ground as much as possible that's not as easy said as done so it's a it's a constant communication via phone via email making sure that we're getting all the um, resources out that we can so a couple of months into the job what's going to be the biggest challenge for you um yeah um it's really just about finding that balance obviously it's, there's a fair bit of admin to do there's a fair bit of making sure that uh, boxes are ticked in terms of people are completing their courses we're issuing certificates in a timely manner um that's not a perfect process as yet i must humbly admit um we're trying to automate that a little bit through the your platform which is going to be great for us moving forward um, but also balancing that with making sure that uh, we're not just stuck behind a desk yeah. 24 hours a day we're still able to go out meet with coaches talk to coaches about real world coaching issues and of course facilitate the accreditations which is the end of the day coming back to the very first question is the key part of the role that's, yeah. that's essentially why I'm here in the position so that can't be forgotten between all the uh, all the inquiries and, and admin that comes in as well uh, and I know you uh, you're at the uh, Basketball Australia Coaches Conference a few weeks ago. I was, yep. as well. in great company. Yeah, that's right. I thought it was a really good conference, but what were the key learnings for, for you and, and what, what were the best takeaways that you, you came out with? Yeah, probably the biggest one for me, and um, uh, again, not to sort of try and toot my own horn too much but probably fits quite close with my coaching philosophy so it was nice to to see that sort of reinforced but it was really um, interesting to see how much in insight and impact they put on the coach relationship the, the coach care understanding players outside of just the X and O's of basketball and you know I've always sort of tried to prioritize that I've had teams and seasons where I've done a better job with that than others as I think all coaches would attest to so but that was probably the one biggest thing that stood out to me you know across across multiple um Oh, well, I guess coaches with multiple varied backgrounds, um, different journeys that they've had and, and even different sports. You know, David Parkinson came in and presented and touched on that. Um, 
coaches like Mark McHugh have come from a different pathway, coached internationally with New Zealand. And again, a lot of them shed light on you need to have a relationship with your players. Mm-hmm. So that was the one biggest takeaway. Um, again, for me, it's another one was that was interesting is just the cyclical involvement of the game itself. You know, Brendan Joyce is giving clinics that 10 years ago would have been very different, I'm sure, in terms of the way we're running transition offense, what our rules are on getting to the glass um, when a shot goes up on offense, which varies to what BA and BQ are doing, but always generate food for thought. So I think the more you're involved in things like that, whether you agree or disagree with what they're saying, it can't help but generate thought. And yeah, for sure. That's always a good thing. And um, I guess the thing for me that I'd like to see is more Queensland coaches at that at that <laughs> annual conference. So how do, you, how do you think we can get that? You and happening? me both. You and me both. Um, I mean, obviously, as part of my role, that would be great. Um, that would be a massive boost for me to see Queensland coaches with bums on seats down there. And, again, probably hands up on our end that we need to do a better job to promote that. I don't think there's any uh, shine away from that. Um Beyond that, it's a little bit tricky. I mean, I've been to two now. I think uh, we were both there at the one last year as well as this year at the AIS. And for me, um, uh, you know, I go obviously being pretty blessed in what I do now as a job and, and previously only working part-time, it was easier to overcome those challenges of time away. So there's some legitimate challenges there, which I don't have all the answers to how we overcome. Time off work, costs of coming down, expenses that are greater than coaches who might be local. But I think one of the keys that we can commit and do a better job job in is making sure that we're across it earlier, getting communication out to coaches, maybe starting a conversation about how we help to, to generate them being able to come down, whether we look at um, putting coaches together and you know accommodation down there, things like that to help reduce costs. But yeah. I don't have all the answers, but I think we can try and be make sure that that's um, more transparent because yeah. it's such an awesome opportunity as you've touched on. Yeah. And do you think BQ might be looking at doing something like that in terms of a coaching conference? We absolutely are. Ah, absolutely it's um it's something that's slated in and, and look i can't make any promises but we're still hoping even to get something out by the end of this year um we're realistic in in how that might look um and actually conversations have been happening just today about you know do we tie that in the back of our association courses because oh, yeah. we have so many great presenters coming in things mm. that aren't just specific to basketball and probably would appeal to the coaches on a, on a greater scale so whether we can sort of incorporate that is is what's being looked at at the moment um and if that's successful, it might give us scope to bring in, uh, you know, more keynote speakers, people from outside of our game, um, people, you know, from interstate. So, yeah. yeah, definitely some some food for thought and some conversations happening, but it, it's still in its, um, yeah, in, in discussion phase at the moment. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on the fact that it is your birthday today. <laughs> and, uh, you're, it is. You're a, you're a youngish sort of guy. Um, do you think age is something that uh, parents or class, as a young younger coach, younger than me, uh, do you think that age is something that parents or clubs look at when they think about coaches? In terms of oh, well, like appointing coaches to positions? Yeah, like or, you that. know, like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I guess, um, yeah, have you had any problems in that area yourself, like personally, in terms of being thought of as being too young? Like, uh, I'm probably at the other end of the scale. I'll look a bit it's a good question, and it'd be naive of me to say that it doesn't come into into play. Um, I think the reality is, though, that it's pros and cons, and, and it can work both ways. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with someone who I hold uh, their opinion pretty highly in terms of my regard, and um, only about... 18 months ago when I was sort of looking to make a move into, into coaching uh, more seriously but also opportunities to work within basketball and 
um, was sort of 29 at the time, and they sort of told me that I was maybe too late in terms of trying to make a career out of basketball, you know. Right. So okay. that was eye-opening for me. I was probably for the first time considered too old <laughs> as a 29-year-old coach. Um, luckily, I, I, again, respectfully took that advice on board but didn't let it sort of uh, shackle me, and, um, and and I've since had some successes. But, um, yeah, I think by all means, coaches are looking um, – the trend of coaches in today's world is there's there's more and more younger coaches who are coming in and looking yeah. to, to get into that field. So I don't think it's as much of an obstacle being a younger coach as it may have used to be. Um, but in saying that, I know that there are still some people who you apply for roles and they're sitting there looking at your CV and they go, and look, you tick a lot of boxes, but we just need more experience. We need mm. to see more. And, you know, it can sometimes feel like a challenge of, well, where does that experience come from? If everyone's telling me the same thing. But, yeah. um, but again, I, I, I feel also um, take my hat off to the fact that I've, I've probably had some opportunities because of being young being pretty hungry and um, maybe not have sort of met too many uh, restrictions yet into into the boxes I've been put into so I'm still pretty hungry and eager for it all which is um, which is good yeah great to hear I mean um, to have that energy eh absolutely yeah <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts but it's still there at the moment so I'm making the most of it that's good so how would you get involved in coaching good question um, played the game for about 20 years um, and then sort of reached my peak as a player um, and went off and experienced life, did uni, travelled, lived in London for a year, really had nothing to do with basketball for about seven or eight years. Um, got back into uni, I was studying social work and really by chance I was having a beer with a mate um, and he was coaching at the time SBL and obviously knew basketball pretty well from playing, wanted to get involved with that sort of age group of people with the social work and youth work side of things and basketball probably offered a pretty comfortable and safe environment for me just to come and be around that age group so I asked if he'd mind me just showing my face every now and then and that sort of uh, progressed into him offering me a position as an assistant coach which I ummed and at a little bit at first but ultimately committed to and um, again uh, put the time in committed um, but was also very fortunate in that I walked into a gym um, and happened to be in a program that was the head coach of the, the program as a whole was a gentleman named Mick Downer who I wouldn't have known from a bar of soap at the time but pretty quickly found out that he was an Australian boomers assistant coach at the time mm. Brisbane Bullets assistant coach um, now coaching professionally in New Zealand and more important than any of that is is just a really genuine and great guy and Mick offered me a lot of time and insight whenever I had questions um, his wife was the state performance manager at the time so he pointed me in the direction of the, the Basketball Queensland State Program and opportunities sort of progressed from there so. so I think you might have even answered my next question was who's been your, uh, your, your teacher or mentor and you know what did you learn from that person specifically you know about coaching that you know you just can't sort of pick up just by watching someone yeah absolutely so you're spot on I've answered that one I think um, hats off to, to Mick and, and to Mel in particular they've both done a lot for me and and the opportunities I've, I've been lucky enough to have so far um, in terms of Mick I mean the biggest learnings have been not basketball specific um, just his humility his willingness to give back to coaches his willingness to give back to players um, he's never sort of uh, conscious of 
of his time. He, he'll sit down and have conversations with you until you can stop asking questions. And um, I think that's probably the biggest learning for me is just to make sure you always respect the game and, and that not everyone around you has the opportunities to do it sort of professionally and as, as, as you might have. So make sure that you're still uh, giving back to the, the game that's given you so much. Um, beyond that, he's taught me so much from the X and O type of things as well. I probably don't know any coach yet who can look at a scrimmage of play and, and sort of come up with as many tactical and technical things that could have been done differently as mm. Mick can. So um, I'm definitely not on that level in terms of the way I see the game. But yeah, just I think more so the, the time, the professionalism that goes into it and making sure that you're giving back in any opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I did want to also say congrats on your recent appointment as uh, Queensland South <laughs> under 16 boys head coach. Um, that's a great achievement and something I think, uh, you know, obviously you're pretty excited about. So I guess this is probably one for players who might be involved in the pathway already, but like uh, how do they, what do they need to do to get selected in that team? What are the things that you look for when you're head coach? Yep, very good question and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. You are, you are. Yep, and um, I thought it might come up, but I wasn't sure. I said, um, and just to really quickly touch on, not to point out a mistake, but under 18, I think you said under 16. Oh, under 18. Right, um, sorry, my bad. Just not to take credit away from whoever does eventually get that under 16 role. But, uh, in, yeah, in terms of a question, I mean, um, what we look for as players, as I said, it's it's directed somewhat by the Basketball Queensland style of play. Um, so people who are willing to and able to adapt to that. Um, that's pretty high intensity type basketball um, I don't think that's new I think that's pretty trendy in, in basketball across all states and in the world everyone wants to play high pace high intensity basketball um, obviously it's written into our style so we're, we're not just saying it for the sake of saying it it's really how we want to play the game um, our offensive style of play is pace space and create so in the first eight seconds in particular we need people that can get out and run fill lanes push the ball and, and get it up the court quickly um, defensively uh, a big one is disruption so people who can get the other team out of what they want to run and that's hard to put into a black and white because it can vary so much but people who are willing to play and you know get up in the lanes that are willing to put pressure on the ball whether that be 90 feet from the basket or five feet from the basket and really just commit to playing team defense for 24 seconds of a shot clock um, another big one which is possibly lost on some kids in the age group is that you know we're not picking 10 superstars we're picking you know two three or four and then it's role players people who can come in fill a role um, are happy to play that role as well and understand that they may not play 35 minutes a game so understanding that you know the the pride of representing Queensland should be enough um, I'd like to think so because I was never fortunate enough or talented enough to do it as a player um, and probably the one thing I would say is that hands down I will pick the best defensive player in my eyes in the state you know sometimes you might go the best offensive player doesn't necessarily make a team because they need to do more but I think there's always a role for whoever the best defensive player is mm. regardless of you know what their offensive ability is so yeah. for anyone listening go out and work on your defense come out to trials to SPP sessions and impress me on that side of the floor and your stocks will go up for sure <laughs> the share price so um, I heard you talk there about transition and, and sort of running running at pace like <laughs> I, I recall Brendan Joyce talked a few weeks back about getting a shot up within eight seconds I think is that what you're talking about there or is it more just 
you know, running at pace but still being in control and taking the best shot. Yeah, yeah. I think you've probably touched on it more closely towards the end there. Uh, by all means, we're... I think what it is is we're not necessarily wanting to get a shot within the first eight seconds and listening to more and more basketball podcasts and things, um, that is a growing trend. Some coaches are actually coaching, hey, look, we'll take the first available shot as opposed to necessarily the grind game um, because the more that we get shots up, the less value each individual shot has. So um, we're happy to accept a, a lower percentage shot. Um, I'm not quite at that end of the scale, and I don't think basketball Queensland are. We are. We, what we're saying is that we're willing to accept a shot in the first eight seconds if it meets our criteria. That's we're getting feet in the paint first and foremost, and then we'll accept layups or kick out threes. So we're not settling for someone just drilling up in the first eight seconds of the shot clock and launching, launching a three over a hand. So. Um, probably a little bit of both in between where, where you sort of came from to phrase the question but yes we'll accept a shot within the first eight seconds but it's within a structure it's within kids knowing well this is the shots that we're willing to accept and what we're looking for if not we need to then have the patience and the maturity to slow that down bring it back out get through our sets find our advantages and play out of that so we're still talking about like primary and secondary sort of looks or yeah that's where um, I think BQ probably stand back a little bit and give a bit more freedom to the coach and that's where I uh, I put my coaching hat on and have a bit of fun with it so you're right I think very early stages yet and, and we won't actually land on our final 10 till uh, January after state champs so that, that will obviously dictate what we do a little bit but yeah having some primary transition offences um, some secondary out of that you know maybe some flex options maybe some um, early on balls that sort of stuff that we can go into um, early post touches and play out of again without more which is more um uh, read based and concept based rather than specific offenses so that's what I like to run early offense and then obviously as the shot clock gets deeper then we can really take a bit more control and get through some sets as such so. oh yeah okay you talked a little bit about the schedule for this team but like what happens typically in terms of uh, state team selection for those people who might not be familiar with it yep so it all uh, it all starts with uh, what they call essentially state team trials but they're also trialing for what is called the state performance program which is a which is a larger, larger program uh, we've actually just had uh, two of those for the south and, and the north is separate so they've had theirs recently as well so I was saying I don't know the exact figures but there was something like 100 kids that tried out through that program um, we've currently cut it down to 45 which is actually starting tonight um, and for the next two weeks, it'll be our second trial phase. And then we'll pick a final squad of 30 athletes who will essentially train for the next six weeks, have the Christmas break, and then come back and train for a further six weeks. Uh, from that 30, um, and it's not black and white, there can be kids outside of that 30 who still make the state team, but essentially from that 30 and on the back of their state championships performance, BQJBC performances, we'll then pick a, a final squad of 15, yeah. which will be our selection squad for the, the state teams. Right, okay. So having been to a couple of nationals when I was a kid, the Victorians are always the team to beat. Unfortunately for us, they, they do a, they've got a, a large pool of kids to choose from. So uh, what's the strategy to compete? against the Vicks yeah you're right they are always the team to beat unfortunately except for two years ago when um, we were I should say lucky enough to play WA in the final but um, when they beat us by 30 odd it didn't feel so much but um, other than that they've had a bit of a monopoly on it and um 
DP, Darren Perry does a really good job with them and um, I actually don't know if he's coaching them again but whoever is no doubt will do a good job they've got a really big talent pool as you've touched on but the, the reality is we've got to be great at our game and we can't look too far ahead um, yes we whoever's going to win the national tournament has to beat Victoria but you've got to beat some other pretty talented basketball teams as well so I think the key is just being great at our style um, if we look too far ahead and go we're going to coach purely to beat Victoria then we'll drop a pool game here or there that we wouldn't have expected to because there's teams that are playing different styles we haven't prepared for so probably not really answering your question I know but the, the key is just being great at what we want to do understanding what our strengths are um, the, the good thing with the, the sort of group that we'll, we'll have to pick from is that there's some there's going to be some depth to choose from so we won't be relying on one or two guys game in and game out which will be great and just making sure that we understand what our what our strengths are as a basketball team like I said so um Again, that, that's a tricky one because we haven't even picked the team yet. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Victoria, they like to play fast. They're tough. You've really got to be able to handle pressure. Um, they will play 90 feet. They will press you. They will get into your skin and they'll try and bully you. And So we've got to have some mental toughness. Um, but like I said, I think it's just making sure the guys understand what our strengths are regardless of who we're playing and then adjusting from there. Yeah, for sure. So this age group, under-18s is what, 16, 17-year-old kids? Correct. So they've at, uh, got to, if they turn in 18 next year, when Nationals is on, they're too old. So yeah. 16 or 17 as of next year. Yeah. So at that age group, um, how important is athletic ability versus skill, do you think? It's really where you start to see the athleticism uh, become vitally important, I think. Um I haven't actually been involved in 16 nationals, but I've seen a bit of it. Um, I've been involved with under-18s and under-20 nationals, and I think you really do find kids that have developed into their body athletically in terms of physicality, they really do stand out. They really do handle it um, better. It's, It's certainly a more physical game than the 16s. I think you'll never find a level, an elite level of basketball where, where skill isn't important. So I'd probably put that at the at the highest pinnacle. Um, but athleticism absolutely comes to the fore at these tournaments. Um, we actually went in last year expecting it to be a little bit more perimeter-based and, and three-point dominated. And we found teams that could play through the post still, slashing sort of three and four men, um, ultimately had success. So there's always going to be a place for athleticism and, and players getting out and running and um, again probably physicality handling that is the key but I still probably just put skill at the, at the four if you can if you have players that can put the ball in the hole that can create that can find passes um, regardless of what their body shape height might be you've got to find a place for them in your team as well yeah so thinking ahead um, 10 years from now Lucky, where are you going to be what, what, what are you going to be doing now I've given you a fair bit of credit here, but that's a terrible question to ask me. I'm not good in that space. Um, I struggle to think a month or two ahead. But uh, I guess the key for me is um, I really, and this goes for life in general, but I try not to put too many set criteria on it. I try not to sit here and plan it too meticulously because the key for me is I just want to be enjoying it still. Right now I'm loving it. I'm pinching myself and I'm very humble in some of the opportunities I've been able to get over the last few years. Um, And... And, you know, look, hopefully these opportunities will continue, but there also may come a time where they don't. 
Um, and I just want to be able to give back to the game. Um, there may come a time where I don't enjoy it. I certainly hope not. But the key for me is just keep enjoying it, keep putting myself around people that are passionate about the game so I can keep learning as much as I can hopefully keep and passing on to others. And if that was to lead to, you know, professional opportunities and endeavours, I'd absolutely love it. I've always said I'd love the opportunity to go and coach in the States in some capacity. But again, the key for me needs to be that it's a it's a healthy environment, that I'm enjoying it and you know it doesn't it doesn't just become a chore because pretty fortunate to, to be able to do what I love and, and you know if that if I ever lose that joy for the game it just becomes another another job that you're doing for the sake of it so yeah sorry if I haven't answered that as well as I could have but <laughs> just want to make sure I'm still enjoying it that's cool uh, who are you liking in the NBL this year well uh, I have to say the Bullets where are we week three <laughs> yeah round three is just round finished three. I believe yeah. but obviously with the NBA commitments teams have sort of played more and less games um, but obviously been, been lucky enough and, and very fortunate to be involved with the Bullets a little bit last year and and a little bit less this year with um, now working full time but definitely got to say them uh, I'll always give credit to, to them and, and what Dre's doing and the way he's always thinking about the game and trying to find ways to adapt and stay ahead of it and find ways to be successful And So what sort of role did you have there like when you were helping out? Um, so last year I, I left a a job I was doing um, just sort of took a bit of a leap of faith there and, and sort of let, left into the world of unemployment for a couple of months which uh, purely by coincidence coincided with the start of the NBL season and, and again Mick Downer was involved there again last year and he was there he oversaw their Bullets development and training program um, so based on that he basically got me along as, a, as an assistant coach in that program to be there I was there sort of six o'clock two or three times a week in the mornings um, helping out run programs for their development and training squad so um, so what's, who's in the development squad is that like sort of younger kids or correct so really aimed at sort of your 17 to 21 year olds um, uh, for listeners out there may know some names but uh, guys like Fraser Roberts were in that program Gideon Machendo Nick Stoddart um, Kean Dennis who has now actually come on board as a development player with the Bullets um, Tyrell Harrison and Cal Dalton weren't officially in that program but they would train with us from time to time um, pl- plenty of players we probably had about 15 throughout the year that came right. through that program so really really great um, program um, elite level they got to train with the the first uh, the NBL team at times throughout the year as well so awesome opportunities for those kids and um, again awesome opportunity for me to be involved in and just uh, you know take a bit of a fly on the wall approach to how a professional club operates Um, and on the back of that I also was involved with the game nights doing video analytics so working with Steve Catlin who's the head of the Bullets Analytics Department and um, just live coding games helping to cut up footage uh, make sure it's available for, for Dre and the coaches sort of straight after after the final whistle um, and yeah then helping with cuts during the week a little bit as well from here Did you do a bit of scouting as well with, with the Bullets? Uh, not so much we did a little bit um, more from a coach development point of view I don't know how much of it they used they probably boosted the ego a little bit and told me that they would, they would look at it and use it but um, you know we were able to look at uh, games have access to their footage I was able to sit in the scouts that the actual coaches prepared which was which was very cool for my development and learning um but yeah um probably not so much 
actually scouting for the team. It was more just, Dre, what type of cuts do you need? You want to see all the pick and rolls? Here they are. Not this is what we think you should do against them, but here's the footage. You go and, and obviously put the scouts in and, and the data and you know for CJ and Sammy as well. So still helping out a little bit in that space this year, but certainly less involved than I, than I was. Yeah, nice. Well, I mean, what a great opportunity though. Absolutely. Know, like being uh, able to help out. Yeah, pinching myself. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's about it for today, Lakey. So I wanted to wish you all the best of luck for, for the position. I mean, uh, you know, you, you've got your head on straight and no doubt you're... Um, you're uh, Got a, got a lot a big workload there in front of you as well but like uh, you, you're keen and you're committed and, and you like basketball so what more could anyone ask for <laughs> absolutely no I appreciate it um, people may argue your point on me having my head straight on straight but I'll uh, I'll take that I thank you um, and you're right pl- plenty to do but look we, we won't get everything spot on initially at least but uh, the key is we're, we're continually reviewing we're looking at ways that we can keep getting better uh, we're open to feedback on that it's not an us against them type approach and you know, hopefully we can keep working with basketball coaches and the basketball community on a greater level throughout Queensland to, to sort of improve and develop and help keeping keep helping the game grow. So yeah, that's the plan. That's good. good stuff. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at OzBballCoach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.